Garden Success is brought to you in part by the Arbor Gate, featuring unusual plants, artisan-created decorative pieces, and a constantly changing array of items that bring beauty, comfort, and even flavor to the home and garden. Arbor Gate, 15635 FM 2920, Tomball, Texas, 281-351-8851 or arborgate.com. Garden Success is also brought to you by the Farm Patch, 3519 South College Avenue in Bryan, 979-822-7209. Welcome to Garden Success with Skip Richter the show designed to help you have a bountiful garden and a beautiful landscape. Call in now with your lawn and garden questions at 979-845-5689 or email your questions to gardensuccess at tamu.edu. And now, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension horticulturist, Skip Richter. Well, good day and welcome to Garden Success. We're looking forward, as always, today to talking with you about what's going on in your lawn and your garden. Uh, this is a perfect gardening weather that we're having right now, and I hope you're enjoying it and getting out there, uh, spending some time in it. Of course, except for Thursdays from 12 to 1 when we're here to answer your gardening questions. Uh, if you would like to email us, you can do so at gardensuccess at tamu.edu. And it's good with email to be able to attach a photo. And please do attach them rather than embed them. It makes it easier for me to open and see them. Uh, if you want to give us a call, our number is 979-845-5689, 845-5689, or by email at gardensuccess at tamu.edu. So those are your two options, 845-5689. So give us a call. Let's talk about anything you're interested in today. Uh, I've been out and about some looking at different things going on in the in the landscapes and we um, we're entering the season when large patch starts to affect uh, especially our St. Augustine lawns uh, pretty significantly. This makes the big tan circles in your lawn. A large patch loves a break in the heat temperatures uh, dropping you know with a cold front or something like that like we're in now uh, and also it likes moist conditions so if we get a lot of rain or if you water your lawn a lot which at this point in the season you should not be doing for sure uh, the lawns do not need watering right now um, the, those two combination cooler temps and, and moisture uh, cause the large patch organism to proliferate and uh, large patch some of you may have heard of brown patch in the past uh, now the disease that we were calling brown patch we're referring to as large patch and there's actually still is a brown patch but it's not what you have in your lawn uh, not here in College Station right now. So if that doesn't confuse things totally, just let me just say the big brown circles patch or big tan circles patch. What happens is the disease infects where the uh, grass blades attach to the runner and kills the grass blades, essentially rotting them off the runner. Uh, you grab onto some grass and pull on it and it just slips right off the runner. Uh, that is the characteristics of this disease. Uh, when it does that, the grass has no green leaves in an area, and it spreads like as if you threw a match in the yard and the little fire spreads out in your lawn. Uh, that's kind of how this disease progresses. 
Uh, so the the symptoms tend to be rather circular in nature, not perfect circles, but something like that. And you may have a whole bunch of them in the lawn. Uh, once you see the the circles starting, once the disease begins to show up, if you're going to treat, you need to treat right away. This disease is not cured as much as it is prevented. And so, in other words, when you wait until you have a large circle, well, you can spray and let's say you kill the disease completely. That doesn't change the fact that now you have leafless grass runners uh, or bladeless grass runners in your lawn. So you got this big brown spot. Sometimes they'll start to regreen from the center a little bit if temperatures are mild. But in general, you're kind of stuck with ugly until spring when the grass kicks off and puts on new growth again. So it doesn't kill the grass. It just makes it look bad. Uh, I don't normally spray for it, uh, but I don't normally have a lot of it. And here, here's part of the reason why. Number one, I don't overwater my lawn. Uh, I don't have a sprinkler going on twice a week or something like that, especially this time of year. Uh, I don't over-fertilize my lawns. I, I, I feed them enough to keep them healthy, but not to try to get St. Augustine to be emerald green. St. Augustine would rather be, I, I would say, closer to chartreuse green than emerald green. Uh, you can have a nice green lawn. I'm, I'm exaggerating there. But the point is, don't push it so hard with fertilizer. Uh, it'll it will exacerbate the problem of large patch and and when it appears it sure shows up well in that nice dark green lawn so you you want to culturally do those things and can't control the rainfall of course but but we sure add insult to injury with all our sprinkler irrigation going on this time of year um, there the sprays that you can put on there's a number of them and I'm not going to recommend brands and things on the air uh, but there are some fungicides if you want to email us or email me at the extension office and you know ask for some suggestions we can give you some ingredients to go look for but a good turf fungicide put on ahead of time can prevent the progression of that disease or even from it showing up at all uh, if you get it on early enough uh, so that that's, I'm just seeing a lot of those circles around town, something to think about. We're also still seeing uh, take-all root rot s symptoms in the lawns, and that's just almost a year-round thing. Um, this disease, uh, I don't know exactly when it attacks. At one point, we were thinking it was in more in the fall and in the spring when temperatures were a little bit milder, uh, but you often see the symptoms in summer, and here's why. This disease doesn't rot the leaves off the runner. It doesn't affect the leaves at all. Uh, but what it does is kill the roots, hence the name take all root rot or sometimes take all patch. Um, when, when you kill the roots, uh, if it's this time of year, the grass still looks okay because there's not a lot of demands to pump a lot of water. So if it even has a few living roots that can supply the, that runner, uh, it, it holds on. But when we get into warm weather especially, uh, it just collapses fast. And so the the root rot is a concern. And there are things we can do for that. Again, there are fungicides that can be used and, and some other options. But again, for, I'm not going to go into a long uh, description on the radio on that. You can just give us a call if you think you might have it, and we can help you with that. Well, let me give you the number again. It's 845-5689. And let's, let's stop and go to the phones right now to talk to Kate. Hello, Kate. Hi. Um, it's that time of year when I should be thinking about putting down some seeds for larkspur 
that's all I can think of at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm always confused as to the leaves that drop off the trees. Do I need to get those up before I spread the seeds? Or do I spread the seeds in amongst the leaves? And then when do I put mulch on? Can the seeds come up through mulch? Okay, good questions. I'm assuming this is not being do- this is being done in like a flower bed or a garden, right? Yes. Okay. So the answer to both leaves and mulch is no. Um, we mulch to prevent weed seeds from getting sunlight so they sprout and come up and establish. And the mulch of either compost on top or leaves on top will accomplish the same thing by blocking the desirable biennials that you're planting from being able to come up. So let them get up and growing. Once they've established little plants, if you want to do a little mulching around those plants, that's fine. Uh, But in general, we we don't want to put a mulch down because they, they they won't be able to get light and establish plants that way. And do I, you know, I'm going to put these seeds down in the next couple of weeks, I think. Isn't November the time? Actually, you could you could do it even before now. Uh, you can still do it. The, the idea is to get these things to sprout um, sometime maybe in October, or it could be November, uh, to form little plants and then to sit there through the winter while they get a good root down and they're waiting on a change in the the temperatures and day length. And when they get that in the spring, they take off growing and they they bloom and set seeds and complete their life cycle. That's why we call them biennials. And uh, you mentioned larkspur, but I'm sure people listening are wondering, well, what else is is there in that category? And that would be things like poppies. Uh, we can also plant sweet peas and, and, and have the same kind of thing where we plant them in the fall. You'll have better plants and better blooms in the spring if you, if you fall plant those. Uh, and our beloved blue bonnet is a biennial. Uh, so uh, the sooner we get those in, the more chance they have to establish a good little plant before it really gets cold. And then they're kind of on hold until Aren't spring. Aren't they going to freeze? No, the little plants don't. That's why the... What? The roadsides are full of blue bonnets every year that didn't freeze that came up in the fall. <laughs> really? Yeah, that, I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> now, in, okay, last year we had, what, seven degrees or something. Fortunately, we had snow cover, which prevented that kind of freeze kill. Uh, but if we didn't have snow cover and we had seven degrees, yeah, you know, there'd be some, some damage, significant damage. But in general winters, no, that's how they grow. That's what a biennial does. All the weeds in your lawn that you deal with in the spring, those are biennials that came up in the fall. Chickweed, henbit, carpet weed, those are all examples of those lawn weeds, clover, that you didn't really notice, but when spring comes and they take off growing, then you notice. A follow-up question about timing. I just bought some uh, kind of a stargazer lily bulbs. And I don't know, I've always heard about putting them in the refrigerator. Uh, I don't know when to plant them. So can you guide me on that? I'm sorry, I missed. What is it that you're asking about? Stargazer, Lily. Stargazer. Boy, well, that's, I a, won't, that's a good I won't, question. I, let, me, let me go and look at the name. They look like stargazers. 
Okay. But anyway, I don't know if I'm supposed to put them in the fridge, in the garage, in the ground, or where. They are probably not going to need be to be refrigerated. Um, uh, and my my brain is drawing a blank right now. My my first guess is going to be plant plant the bulbs in the spring. Uh, they're not one of your early spring blooming bulbs like daffodils and paper whites, for example, are. Uh, they're going to bloom later, so I would wait and plant them in the spring. But I, I need to probably look into that a little bit. We don't get a lot of stargazer lily questions. <laughs> well, these are at the label now. It's E-L-O-D-I-E, L-O-D. And they're pale pink. To me, they I don't know. They look kind of like a stargazer. Okay. Yeah. Well, L-O-D is, is a variety. Uh, so that's that's uh, just a variety of what you're seeing uh, of the of the stargazer uh, type lilies. Okay, so they're in the stores now. I don't know why they put them in the stores in the fall if I don't plant them until spring. Spring. Well, you can probably plant them now. Uh, again, I'm I'm hedging a little bit because I don't I don't want to speak something authoritatively that I'm not sure about. Uh, my my gut feeling is you would you could hold them and wait and put them in in the spring, but I we don't have the kind of weather that freezes stuff in the ground here, so I you probably are okay uh, planting them now and then they would just sit there till spring. If it were mine, okay. I'd hold on because they bloom in the summer. They bloom in the summer, so you have plenty of time to establish them and then have them grow. Okay, thank you much. All right, good luck. Thanks you with that. Thanks for that. Let's go back to the phones and talk to Dan. Hey, Dan. Hi, Skip. Uh, I have two questions if you have time. The first one is about um, should I or should I not edge a mulch bed under a live oak tree? Because I noticed on campus every year they go through and put a nice clean edge around it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was wondering if, if it's hurtful to the roots. It no, it's it's not. I mean, you're not going to use your edger to dig six inches down in the soil or anything. Um, you're just basically getting barely below the surface of the soil to accomplish the edging task, and that's not a problem. And it's just an aesthetic thing. It's not a... Um, uh, you don't have to edge around live oaks, but it, it's more of an aesthetic. It makes things look orderly. <laughs> Yeah, I took your advice of, you know, making a nice mulch bed under under the trees mm -hmm. and uh it I was hoping that you would say that so I can help keep the grass from growing into it constantly. Yeah, edging <laughs> edging would be a, a practical way to do that. Uh, you can and that that mulch the trees, you know, you think about how trees naturally grow. They naturally grow in a forest where they're around other trees and the leaves fall on the ground year after year, decomposing, mulching the soil, protecting the soil, moderating soil temperature, releasing nutrients. That's tree heaven. And we bring them into landscapes and we want to have turf grass right up to the trunk. And uh, that tree is not very happy with that situation, although they can do it. So when you start to give a mulch bed around a tree, you're, you're even improving on the tree's health. Great, thank you. <clears throat> you bet. So my, sec my second question is uh, more of a meta question. <laughs> okay. So my for my birthday last month, my wife bought me a aeroponic cloning machine. Okay. And wow. I'm wondering what I am supposed to do with this. <laughs> so okay. Currently in it, I have some uh, 
Mexican sage bush. I have some lavender. Um, but uh, when I look online, everybody's always cloning tomatoes and peppers and everything. But with our right. season, by the time it would be big enough to clone, it's too late or too early to plant. Uh, so do you have any recommendations on how I should use this thing throughout the year? So, so this roots cuttings that you put in it, right? Correct, yeah. Okay. So y you could time it uh, so that you have you have transplants at the time you want them. But so here, here's how this works. Commercially, cuttings are rooted in very loose media like perlite or, or vermiculite or uh, maybe a little peat in the mix with those. And it depends on the plant as to the best media for that. Uh, but it wants to be airy and wants to hold moisture, but it, it wants to have good oxygen down in the, the zone so it roots readily. Now you see online people putting things in water to root. And some plants will root in water, but the kind of roots you develop in that anaerobic situation of water are not the best kind for growing in the soil. And the plant adjusts. You, you can root things in water and then put them in the soil and they adjust, but it's not best. And this aeroponic system uh, is providing a spray or a mist of, of moisture and maybe, I don't know, there are probably some nutrient in it or maybe some rooting hormone. I don't know what all is included. I've never had one of those units. But, and it's, it's spraying it on the cutting. So the cutting is getting good oxygen down there, but it's being kept continually moist so that as roots develop, they don't just, we say roots burn off in the air. You know, if you let a root dry out in the air, it, it dies back and we call that burning off. And, uh, but they don't do that. And so it's a great way to root a cutting. But uh, Dan, you're gonna wanna uh, take them from there and put them in some sort of a potting mix in a container. Like let's say you did a tomato that way or some other plant that you'd wanna transplant. You would then wanna be able to grow it out to a good transplant before you put it out in the garden, which will be you know, probably early to mid-March or, or early March or mid-March sometime in there around here. So you just kinda count back in time uh, as to when you would start those. Great, awesome. Um, so is there anything you would recommend cloning? Or I was thinking of just walking around my neighborhood and seeing who has nice plants and yeah. a nice time sneaking a little chunk off. Okay, well, either that or bake a pound cake and knock on the door and make them a trade. Uh, but I would, uh, I would think about what do you want? You know, look around, see what does well here. Uh, I say driving driving around, I am constantly plant shopping, <laughs> you know, seeing what's in yards and what it looks like and stuff. Um, and, and when you see something you like, well, then you know, okay, that's a plant I want to be able to somewhere get a cutting off of and root. Some plants are very easy to root. Um, tomatoes, you say the word root and they start popping out roots on the stem. Uh, the um, uh, rosemary, actually, surprisingly enough, is a fairly easy plant to root. Other plants are very difficult to root. The uh, bay trees that we use as evergreen shrubs, but they're herb herbal bay leaves, they're a challenge to root. And so it kind of depends on the plant. And, and I might start with what plants do you want and then do a little investigating. And if you need to email us or something, we can kind of help you with, okay, that's gonna be a challenge. But I've never had the kind of system you have. So uh, kudos to your wife for that, by the way. And honey, if you're listening, that would be a great Christmas gift, hint, hint. Uh, but <laughs> but um, seriously, that 
I suspect they're going to do very well, and maybe it would stretch your ability to root a little bit. We, we often dip things that are resistant to rooting in a rooting hormone so that we get faster, better rooting. And perhaps these systems have some of the hormones that are natural plant hormones in the moisture that sprays up there. I, I need to look into that. I don't, I don't know. We got that separately, and I've been using it. Um, okay. They haven't died yet after two weeks. So <laughs> right. That's a good sign. Well, that's a good <laughs> sign. The, you know, with, when you cut a cutting off, I, you are severing it from its lifeline. And so the goal is to keep uh, the stress down, the moisture high around the leaves, so it's not pumping a lot of water out because there's nothing to pump water from, and to get roots as fast as you can while it hangs in that suspended state. <laughs> and if you don't get roots soon enough, you're going to lose the cutting. Uh, but if you get them soon, then that's that's how we have success and why our yards are full of full of plants that are that are rooted from cuttings. Great. Well, thank you very much. I'll uh, I'll keep you posted how it goes. All right, Dan. Thank you very much. Appreciate the call. Our number, 845-5689, 845-5689. And let's go back to the phones now and talk to Susan. Hey, Susan. Hi. Hi. Well, I have a question about, um, years ago, I killed the grass on my backyard. I live in a town home. Okay. And I just let the, the grass go. I plant a tree and then... You know, I made a little, a little landscape, and I plant some tomatoes, this or that. So anyway, now I'm, I want to prepare to plant grass again. And it, can I just spread seeds there and let it grow? Yes, if, if there's any mulch, uh, like a wood chip mulch or ground up leaf mulch or something on the surface, I would rake that off, so that the sod that you lay down can come into good close contact with the soil below. When you, when you put the yeah, side um, I don't have anything right now there. Actually, uh, last week I raked all the leaves. Everything was there, so it now it's thoroughly clean. Okay. Well, this is not the best time to plant sod. Uh, it's a little better to do it once the weather warms up and grass is actively growing. Uh, your grass plants are not doing a whole lot of rooting in the in the cool season. Uh, oh. we're, we're at the point where root growth is going toward a very minimum right now. And then um. by the time um, other people have mowed their lawns twice, uh, it's a good active growing time where you can put the sod out and have success. Now, you may lay some out and you may have, have it survive and things. I won't say it, it's just all going to die. But so it, it isn't... Go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry, I interrupt you. You're talking, what, what is sod? I was talking about just spreading seeds. Well, um, do you know what kind of grass you want? What? Uh, I, here in College Station, whatever is, is the best, the grows better. Which one is that? Okay, is this a, how much sun or shade does this area get? Um, it gets some sun in part of it um, during the, let me see, the morning. Mm -hmm. And then it, it, all day long it gets sun, but it doesn't, you know, it gets some shade too. But it's not always the sun, always, you know what I mean? Okay. Well, St. Augustine is our most shade tolerant, and it also does well in sun, St. Augustine mm -hmm. grass. You can't plant it by seed. You have to buy the little sections of sod. They look like, you know, your the mat you wipe your feet on at the front door. They're a small little yeah. rectangles that you put on uh -huh. the ground. 
Uh, Zoysia can take quite a bit of shade, uh, not quite as good as St. Augustine, and it is also planted from sod. Uh, that the only thing that is a practical lawn grass that you might plant from seed would be some types of Bermuda. And it's quite a challenge to successfully establish a uniform stand of Bermuda seed and, and get it going. And it's not going to like probably the amount of shade that you have there in the lawn. So mm -hmm. I I'd, I'd do St. Augustine or Zoysia and sod is, I'm going to say it's your only option. It's your only practical option. Mm-hmm. So in that case, I was thinking doing now, but I, uh, so when is the best time to plant by next year? After your neighbors have mowed their lawn two times. Uh, just think of it that way. When when it warms up and the grass comes out a little bit, it still doesn't yeah. have a good root system. Or it has old roots that are kind of dying off as new roots uh, out the down the runner are, yeah. are being grown. And so by the time you've mowed it twice, it's been warm enough for long enough for the grass to be vigorously and actively growing and new roots developing very well. And so yeah. I would I would do the sod at that time. So that that would have been probably around I think it's April and they start. Think think yeah. about if you want a date and every year's different, but if you want a date, I would say sometime in the first half of April would be when I would start sodding. Sodding. Sodding means S putting down sod. Putting buying yeah, buying the sod and laying it down on the ground, uh, making sure you press it against the ground so that that little bit of soil that comes in with the grass is mm. touching the ground so as roots come out, they can go right into the ground and not have a like an, an air space underneath them. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I actually I'm here at Home Depot thinking my, okay. <laughs> my seeds, so it's not a good time to do that. Uh so mid of April, you're thinking. Early to right? mid, early to mid April. Mm -hmm. That's that's when uh -huh. I would do that. And okay. I, I'm giving you what I think is the best time to do it. Yeah. Okay, because Texas changes so much right now. I thought, oh, it's so hot, and you know what I mean. It's probably got time to plant, but it's not, right? <laughs> no, no, not not for our warm season southern turf grasses. Not the best time. Yeah, and another question is. Um, I love to have rosemary in my bag, in, but uh, every time I buy rosemary, it dies. Okay. It, it, Ro rosemary is actually a very tough plant. Uh, yeah. The two things that, that cause it problems are soggy, wet conditions. If the area yeah. doesn't drain really well, uh, yeah. especially in the cool season, staying too wet. And the other thing is a lack of sunlight. It wants to be in lots of sun. So if you put it in the oh. shade, it's going to struggle. And if you keep it too moist or if the area is low where water gathers maybe and, and it stays wet longer, it, it's not going to do well there. Yeah, that's the two things that I did wrong. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. now you know. Okay. Uh, I appreciate, yeah. Well, well, just very quickly, I'll say I, I used to have a rosemary when I lived in the city of Alexandria. Mm -hmm. And I put it in the ground. And that plant really grew so big. It has a had a very big, uh, you know. Right. Thick. Yeah, it's so a great I, plant. Some, it's a great plant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that you gave me the answers for my question. All right, Susan. Thank you for calling. Okay. okay. See you. Our Have phone. A nice day. Yes. 
Our phone number, 845-5689, 845-5689. If you'd like to call or by email, you can reach us at gardensuccess at tamu.edu. I want to make a couple of announcements about some things going on uh, in the community. The Post Oak chapter of the Native Plant Society, that Post Oak is our local chapter of Native Plant Society, uh, invites the public to their November meeting on November 4th. That's a Thursday at 6.30 p.m. And the meeting will be via Zoom. Uh, online, it won't be a. You don't go in person. You uh, go via Zoom, and the you can, the link is is kind of simple. It's tinyurl.com/frogfruit, and I'll say that again: t-i-n-y-u-r-l.com/frogfruit. One word. By the way, that's I love I love that URL because frogfruit is one of our our native ground covers, and so that's a that's a good one for the Native Plant Society. Uh, the program on the 4th is going to be, November 4th, is Composting with Nature. Uh, we'll be, you'll be learning uh, how some of your options for composting and how to take things that were once alive and turn them back into the soil. That's what nature does constantly, and uh, you can learn how to compost yourself. It's from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. on November 4th, and if you're interested in that, you want to go to the website, uh, tinyurl.com slash frogfruit. The Rio Brazos Audubon Society uh, is inviting the public to their November meeting and program. And uh, that is going to be on November 10th, the Rio Brazos Audubon Society. So if you're interested in, in birds, attracting birds, observing birds, uh, that's Wednesday, November 10th at 630. And it'll also be an online meeting. And the program will be on native plants for birds. Uh, Cheryl Lewis, who's president of the Post Oak Native Plant Society, those two groups work together a lot, uh, is, is going to uh, be the speaker for this. And again, that tinyurl.com is the same, but instead of frog fruit, it's Northern Cardinal, if you want to go to the bird meeting on November 10th at 6.30 p.m. Let's see, we're going to go back uh, to the emails for a moment. I had a question um, on uh, someone purchased an Arctic Frost Satsuma tree, and they're, they're new to fruit growing, and so they're wondering about advice for planting it in the ground. Should you plant it now or wait till spring? Uh, any other tips and for caring for it through the winter and into next spring? Well, that's a good question. Number one, congratulations. I think everybody ought to have a citrus plant. Um, and uh, you're, I know some of you are listening thinking, wait a minute, this isn't South Texas. Why are you recommending citrus? Well, uh, there are some hardy citrus types here that we can grow here. One of them is the, the kumquats. Uh, those are the little things the size of the end of your thumb that the skin is more what you eat than the interior and they're used in marmalade and things like that. Uh, but satsumas are also quite quite hardy and arctic frost is a good variety to, to choose. Uh, you don't need two varieties. They pollinate themselves. And uh, satsumas when they're young are not extremely hardy, but once a tree's been in the ground about three years and it's well established, uh, satsumas, if, if the temperature doesn't just suddenly go from 80 to 30 overnight or 20 overnight, uh, they, and they slowly uh, cool off in the spring or in the winter, good night in the fall, like we're, uh, we're expecting normally, 
they can take temperatures down into the mid-20s or even a little bit lower without significant damage. So we can grow them here. And you can throw their smaller trees. They're not as large as some of the oranges and things that you see. And those satsumas, uh, you know, can even be covered uh, for the first few years, especially they, they don't grow that fast. Uh, and so it, it is a, a citrus that we can grow here. The main reason I love uh, citrus, uh, it, in addition to the fruit, of course, is the blooms. Uh, they are unbelievably fragrant. Uh, I had a little lime tree, which are not hardy, uh, that I'll put mine in a container so I can move it in. Uh, but it was blooming four or five blooms. And I walked by it the other day, and I, my first thought is, what is that? Where's that wonderful fragrance coming from? And I had kind of forgotten that little gallon pot with a few blooms sitting there. But it's just a reminder that uh, it's worth growing citrus just for the blooms, if much less for the fruit as well. So how do you, when do you plant it and how do you take care of it? Well, we're, we're on, on the edge of citrus growing here. And, you know, we only have a few types that we can grow that I mentioned uh, fairly dependably. So... It, that means that winters occasionally can do severe damage to citrus. Of course, the ridiculously cold seven degrees flat out kills the citrus, but uh, unless you took great measures to protect them. Uh, but I, I normally plant citrus in the spring or summer. Uh, spring is good, uh, but you can plant it in the fall. And any kind of plant that's a perennial type of plant, whether it's perennials like perennial flowers or a shrub or tree, uh, if you plant it in the fall, it has more time to get established. The only caveat is being a new t uh, plant getting established, be a little more careful with protecting it. If it's going to get uh, below 28, for example, uh, even around 28, I would definitely cover it for that cold night and then get the cover off when the temperature comes back up again. You just want to be a little extra careful if you want to plant it now, but that's fine. Citrus needs full sun. Citrus needs good drainage. So if the area doesn't drain well, build up a raised bed or mound for it to grow on, uh, and, and that way you'll have good drainage. Uh, and then moderate fertilizing through the season uh, that you can use the fertilizers you use for your lawn, just nothing with weed control product in it, just fertilizer. Uh, and then keep them adequately moist, but not soggy wet. They don't like to be in a swamp. They want to they wanna have good drainage. So uh, that would be my advice. I think that ought to get, get you off to a good start. There's some good information on the Aggie Horticulture website. If you go to aggie-horticulture.tamu.edu or just do a search online for Aggie Horticulture, there's a fruit page, and there's all kinds of fruit publications, including some great things on citrus that will help you along. Well, let's go back to the phones now and talk to Randy. Hello, Randy. Is Randy still there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Hey, now I can, I can hear you. How you doing? Okay. Doing good. How about yourself? I'm well, thank you. All right. I want to ask you about, um, I found some, um, you know, in containers I went out to, uh, co-op and bought some, um, uh, what am I trying to say here? I Is it a, look at them. like a... Um, honeysuckle. Oh, okay. You know, honeysuckle. And my question is, is that, you know, I've got, I've got a light where I can put them inside the garage and, you know, mm -hmm. keep them through the winter. That yes. works very well. Yes. Um, or should I go ahead and try to just put them in the ground now yeah. and chance the winter? Because they are young. Yeah. All my other honeysuckles survived the big freeze. Yes. Fine, but they were established. Yes. That, um, so that's okay. That's Hun question. Honeysuckles are adequately hardy. I would plant them now without a, without a doubt. 
Uh, okay. go, go ahead and get them in the ground. Give them all that time to get some good roots reaching out into the surrounding soil before next okay. summer heat comes. But, yeah, they can take it. Okay. That's good. That was my question. All okay, right. I appreciate well, it. And then enjoy them. They're, they're a beautiful flower. Oh, they, they create a, 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 I use cattle panel and I put them up and mm-hmm. I let them grow on that. So they create a natural barrier or a wall. Oh, there you go. And it gets very thick and it keeps it off the fence. Yes. You know, that's so it a. Doesn't hang on the fence, but uh, you just put it in front of the fence a few feet. Yeah. The cattle panel up and it just, you know, creates a wall. That's a great idea, Randy. And it, it reminds me, sometimes we get calls on what's a good shrub to, to create a wall and block a view. And, you know, there there are some shrub options for that, but it, it takes a while for them to grow. And exactly. to, get, to get a good, even semi-evergreen vine uh, and put it on a panel, uh, that's not very expensive. And you can really quickly have a wall of foliage to block a view that way. That's a good idea. No, you will, 100%. And, you know, and it doesn't take as long as you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you know, if you buy them young in the spring, you know, they, they cover it but not thick. And then by, by the next growing season, it's thick i mean it's a wall i mean it, it covers it up really well so well, good good now is this the coral honeysuckle the the tubular coral colored blooms or is this one that has white and pinkish um it's the um hang on i got the name of them right here they call them uh, uh hang on they, they create the yellow flower Oh, okay. But this one here, they call it the uh, Hall's Hall's honeysuckle. Oh, Hall's honey. Okay, yeah. It's kind of a. It's more of a. I think it has a little bit of a golden color to it. Yeah, golden. That'd be the better okay. way to say it. Yes. All right. Exactly. All right. Well, hey, thanks for that call and good luck with it. No problem. Thank you very much. You bet. Uh, we're going to go to the phones again and again. The number, if you'd like to call, eight four five fifty six eighty nine. And let's talk to Greg. Hey, Greg. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I, I just in a just in a picture, I have two orient pear trees, not in just a little bloom, but in full bloom. <laughs> oh, really? I, I mean, see. Not quite, not quite the white snowball you might see in yeah. the spring, but a lot of blooms. I, I see that in your picture. I'm just sitting here looking at it right now, uh, and, and that is <laughs> pear trees are probably are the worst plant for doing a fall bloom. If you take a pear and it gets kind of stressed in late summer, uh, it did. going through that stress is almost like it go up a fruit plant going through the winter and then it comes out, it says it's time to bloom in spring. That stress will do that to pears and you get a fall bloom, which is you're not going to have those blooms in spring. You know, maybe there's a few buds that didn't bloom in fall that'll bloom in spring, but all the blooms you see now were, were supposed to be for spring, and they won't be there in spring. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's bad because, I mean, I, and I'm used to various fruit trees having a few fall mm-hmm. blooms because of some reaction, but this is uh, quite extensive. Yeah, well. Most of, of my work there, anyway. There you go. And I, I can't tell on your on your photo. I was One of the things I was trying to see is, is this really the the tree, the variety orient, or is this something that's sprouting out from the roots? Well, no, it's an orient, but but the one if you see all those, that's when I because I stupidly planted in a pasture and my cows grazed on it, and oh. then I up I dug it up. This was like I don't know thirteen, fourteen years ago, and replanted it, and that and it was it it came up that I mean it really caught it regrew from that method but uh, okay it it should it should be true and I have a, I have another one that plants at the same time that that was inside the yard and it's uh 
it's, it's they, they produce the same fruit, you know, very similar to a keeper. Mm-hmm. They're a hard pear, but very delicious when they're allowed to ripen or soften. So. Yeah, yeah. Good. All right. Well, that's a and testimony other, to pears, toughness. <laughs> well, the other comment is they maybe we'll blame it on the, the stomageddon. I also have Fuyu persimmon trees that for the first time, and I've had them now for, I don't know, maybe close to 15 years, mm. I had persimmons ripening in July and then a couple of more in September. And then, whereas normally they all ripen yeah. in late, you know, late October, November. November, yeah. yeah. So, and I, I certainly suspect that there would be a blemish or a problem. No, some yeah. of them simply ripen months ahead of time. I don't, I don't know what to think of that. It's been a weird year, but, you know, the more I learn about plants, the more I recognize the fact that plants can't read, because if they could read, they would know not to do that. They, 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 they don't do that, but apparently they can't read. So that's my only right, explanation. I appreciate it. Thanks. All right, Greg. Thank you for the call. Phone number 845-5689, 845-5689, or by email at gardensuccess at tamu.edu. we got about 15 or so minutes left, so if you would like to call today, uh, it would be better sooner than later, because sometimes at the end we get a whole bunch of calls and, and can't quite get to them. Uh, I'll talk about things going on in the community again. Uh, the um, On Thursday, November 4th also, uh, at the Ringer Library, at the Ringer Library uh, in Bryant, the, the um, um, person in charge of our Junior Master Gardening Program, our International Junior Master Gardening Program here through AgriLife Extension, uh, Extension Program Specialist Lisa Whittlesey is going to be leading a discussion uh, on Garden to Vase. That's the title, Garden to Vase. And Lisa is a magician at taking things from around the yard and garden and putting them together in beautiful decorations. Uh, you could go and learn about how to prepare for the holidays or, or really any time you want to have a gathering at your house. Now it's from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Larry Ringer Public Library in their front meeting room. Uh, if you'd like more information, I'm going to give you a... Um, uh, phone number, it's 764-3416, 764-3416, and this program is free to the public. Uh, November 5th and 6th the, uh, is the annual Fall Festival of Roses at the Antique Rose Emporium uh, out on, on Highway 50 in Brenham. You're going to be able to tour their gardens and, and get a sniff of the roses as well. But uh, on th- this will be going on on Friday and Saturday. On Friday uh, in the morning, Georgia Monroe will be talking about growing perennials and annuals that do good here that are good for cut flower arrangements. Uh, Georgia uh, owns Base Camp Farms. If you've never been out to Base Camp, you ought to go sometime. They they grow and sell cut flowers out there. You can follow them on social media uh, and uh, you know find out about their market days and, and when, when they have what. Uh, but Base Camp is our local uh, flower grower and, and we I've been out. It's a beautiful place to to go just see the flowers. I think it's very cool. But anyway, that's on Friday morning. Then on Saturday uh, in the morning also, uh, Jane English will be talking about companion planting and also mushrooms. Uh, They'll even have a a raffle for an inoculated mushroom log. I bet you never heard me say that before. Uh, You know, some mushrooms uh, grow out of wood, and uh, there are certain kinds of mushrooms. Shiitake is an example of that, and, and there's others that uh, you inoculate the wood with the 
spores of that mushroom or uh, the strands of the mushroom and then it grows inside the wood and then pops out the mushrooms just like those little circles of mushrooms in your yard pop out at certain times under certain conditions uh, but anyway you can learn about uh, companion planting and a little bit about mushrooms as well and those are both out at the antique rose emporium if you want more information on that the number is 836-5548 836-5548. I should say every day when we do this show, every Thursday, I should start off by saying get a pen and paper because you're probably going to want it today because we're spewing out all these URLs and phone numbers for you. Well, let's go back to the phones and talk to Will. Hello, Will. Hello, Skip. Uh, my question is uh, I've got some plant uh, bushes and things, ligustrum and others, uh, we were gone for a while, and some of them have really shot up a lot, and I wanted to do some trimming. Is it too early to start trimming? Or? I, I would not at this late stage in the season. Uh, it's it's probably going to be warm enough here and there in the next few weeks for them to try to start regrowing from the trimming in response to your trimming. And we got some freezes coming for too long. Uh, and that tender new growth won't be hardy and ready for the freeze. I would, I would probably wait until we get toward the end of winter and do that that trimming at that time. Uh, and then as spring growth comes on, if you pruned heavily in winter, you may have to prune once or twice more because you're going to have a lot of vigorous shoots and and you'll want to top them back so that it becomes bushier and bushier. Uh, as you go. But for those evergreens and, and shrubs like ligustrum you mentioned, yeah, I'd hold off at this point. Uh, what about uh, trees? Same thing? Uh, like a deciduous shade tree or what? Yes. Okay. I, I would prune those in in the mid in the middle of winter. You know, we get into uh, okay. late, late January, uh, it, or mid to late January is a good time. I mean, it's nothing, it has to be right then, but you want the tree to be dormant and you want to get the pruning wounds that you need to make done and do some investigating to make sure you're making the cuts properly on a plant. Uh, that's a, it's good for the long-term health and strength of the plant. Uh, and we do it then because the fastest period of wound growth is in the spring. And so right. you, you do the dormant pruning on those, and, and then they take off, and the healing, uh, it's actually not healing, it's, it's callus and wound closure, but it um, uh, happens fast. And you want to cover over that interior wood that you expose when you prune off a limb as quickly as possible. With the natural growth. With the natural growth, right. No, no sprays. Don't, you don't need to, right. no pruning paint. Right. Yeah. Okay, Skip, that's uh, exactly what I needed to find out. All I appreciate right. your help. Thank you, Will. Thanks for the call. Okay, bye-bye. All right. Our number again, 845-5689, 845-5689. Got a little time left. Uh, or by email, gardensuccess at T-A-M-U dot E-D-U, gardensuccess at T-A-M-U dot E-D-U. Uh, on November 6th uh, is the Saturday Art Market at De Gallery on uh, 9930 North Rosemary in Bryan. 
uh, not too far from the KBTX uh, TV station, if that gives you kind of an idea. Uh, but it's from 9 to 3 p.m., the gallery. Uh, it's a Saturday art market. You can come and meet some of the professional visual artists uh, and enjoy uh, some of the paintings and sculptures, photography, jewelry, handcrafted items. There'll be live music and free art workshops for kids. Hey, that sounds fun. And uh, I wonder how old a kid you can be to get in there, because I might want to try that one. A crafting station uh, and also treats for sale, coffee, pastries. Oh, my goodness. Goodness, that's a a uh, quite an ordeal so it sounds wonderful <laughs> i i uh i think you could spend the whole 9 a.m to 3 p.m time there having fun so friends and families are also welcome that's the uh, de gallery uh 9 30 north rosemary on november 6th which is saturday a saturday uh, 9 a.m to 3 p.m uh, see we've got a lot of things that have been going on around the community here um the let's see the the um, on October 30th the Brazos Valley Farmers Market uh, is going to be that's the one downtown on Main at 21st Street they're going to have a Halloween event so you can come and see the vendors in Halloween costumes maybe even pick up a few treats uh, let the kids wear their costumes for the morning and they can sort of trick or treat around the market there it's always fun going to farmers markets here locally it starts Saturday from 8 a.m. and goes all the way to noon so take advantage of that support our local growers and crafters and others at the market uh, let's go back to the phones now and talk to Eddie hello Eddie Hello, Skip. How you doing? Well, thank you. Good. Skip, I have a question. We have a, a house that's east-facing. We're here in College Station, and we have a couple of beds that are kind of bare right now. And I was thinking of ag uh, acanthus, you know, the bear's breaches. Uh -huh. Do they do well in this area, in this climate zone? They, they can. Uh, acanthus... It, it, it likes quite a bit of shade, but it likes a bright shade. So being on the east side of your house, if there's no other thing shading it, that kind of sounds like half-day sun, half-day shade, maybe. Um, so well, go ahead. Yeah, we, we have uh, a couple of, you know, decent-sized oak trees. Okay. And there are some quite tall crepe myrtles that oh. give, you know, nice shade to the front of the house. Gotcha. Uh, and, and it's, you know, irrigation system, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Well, for acanthus, I would, you know, a lot of our soils are heavy clay around here. Not all, but a lot. And so I would create more of a forest floor type soil. You know, lots of compost mixed in to a large area uh, and plant it and kind of make it feel like it may be in a forested type setting like that. Uh, the more you could avoid having to use the uh tap water, which has quite a bit of sodium in it, on, on the plant, the better off it would be. I don't know about that particular plant's sodium sensitivity, but I would not expect it to be highly tolerant. So right. uh, minimizing the um, irrigating uh, of the plant and, and letting rainfall and maybe even a, if you've got a rain barrel or something, that'd be another good way to water it. Yeah, no, no rain barrels, but... Um you know, reliant on, you know, the ambient rain or, or whatever could be a bit dicey. So mm -hmm. I, I think the foliage is just so nice and it covers quite a wide area. Yes, it uh, is. 
I was I was just thinking that you know those big broad leaves would look nice up against a brick wall. Yeah, it uh, would. That that is one it, of the one of the beautiful plants uh, in in areas that you especially see them as you go east and even a little north in Texas. You know, up toward Tyler area and places like that. Right. They they're really thriving. Excellent. Well, uh, are they locally available? That's a good question. I do not recall seeing acanthus here in the Brian Cause Station area. I would call around and ask, uh, you know, uh, Farm Patch or producers or someplace that sells plants, for example. I'd check them out. Uh, right. you, I, I'm pretty sure you could get them if you go down to like Arborgate and Tomball, that direction, because they, they sell a lot because they grow a, a lot down there. Uh, but right. but I would, although it's it's a fun trip for an outing to go see uh, the place, I would probably call and make sure before I head that way. Right. Uh, otherwise, we'll get some seed and see what happens. Well, then then you're really going all out. That that'll be interesting. <laughs> I've I have never grown one from seed. Uh, that may be a bit more of a challenge, but hey, it's fun. Well, in for in for a penny, in for a pound. So there you, you know. Go. We- <laughs> we'll see what happens. Skip, thank you very much. Enjoy the blustery weather today. I will. Thank you, Eddie. Okay. I appreciate Bye. that. Bye. Bye-bye. All Bye. right. we got five minutes left, so let's give you the phone number one more time. It's 845-5689 if you'd like a, a call uh, to, before we close out the show today. Uh, 845-5689. Uh, and I Run a little short on email time, so I'll hold off on that. By the way, out in the garden, uh, this is just still prime time for a lot of cool season plants. So if you've got a vegetable garden, you want to go ahead and, and make sure you're getting your stuff established because you want it to do some growing before it really cools off. Even things that are fairly cold hardy, uh, you have better production if you can get some good early growth on them before it cools off so much. Well, let's go back to the phones and talk to Pat. Hello, Pat. Hi, Skip. Yes. Did your office move? We did. We did. What uh, does that mean for the demonstration garden? It, it goes It goes on. Our master gardeners are continuing to take care of it uh, and do education out there. We had a whole bunch of uh, kiddos out a while back uh, from uh, youth gardeners uh, that came out into an educational event there. So we're still utilizing it. But uh, the office itself is not there. Our office is right behind the county tax office, for those of you who've right. been to the tax that's, office. That's what I heard. So what, who is in the, the old building? Uh, nobody. It's, it's okay. vacant now. There's going to be some, some changes in, around there uh, with the county, you know, in terms of the building. But uh, our garden is going forward uh, for the foreseeable future. Well, that is really good news. Yeah. And when is a good, the right time to tr- uh, plant plum trees? Well, if a lot of times people purchase their fruit bare root, and the time to right. do that is midwinter, January would be a good time. Midwinter if, if bare root. If bare root. If they're container grown, it doesn't matter. And I would probably plant them in the fall. Uh, but just make sure when okay. you pull it out of the container, uh, there's going to be roots going in a circle around that container. And you want to cut those in about three or four places around the circle of that cylinder. Uh, everywhere you cut a root, it's going to produce new roots within a few weeks, and that they're, they're going to move out into the surrounding soil. That circling root isn't going to unwind underground, and it, it doesn't, right. do, doesn't do the tree any good if you just pull it out of the container and stick it in the ground. So, uh, yeah, now would be a great time, Now all through November, 
uh, it is a good time to plant a container plant. Again, for the same reason I mentioned earlier, and that's it has a lot of time for roots to establish before the hot weather arrives. We'll do it. Thank you so okay. much. Now, I just have to add one thing, Pat. You mentioned a plum tree. Uh, there, oh, yeah. A lot of our plums are not self fruitful. They, they need po pollinating from a different variety. Uh, some of them will produce on their own, but you just might want to check on that. Thank you for that mm -hmm. reminder. Yeah, you don't want it to join the Lonely Hearts Club in your yard. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank All you, right. Pat. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, my goodness. Let's see. We were talking vegetables just before that last call. Let's say a few more things about those. Um, the um, uh, spinach is it loves cool weather and now's a great time to plant spinach I usually put the the seeds in in a glass of very war very warm water uh, at at night the day before I'm gonna plant just so they can start soaking up moisture speeds germination just a little bit uh, root crops like radishes and turnips and carrots uh, can all be planted now it's a great time uh, for that in fact we're we're in the big middle of carrot planting season. Uh, and then those, those blue-leafed vegetables like collards, cabbage, kohlrabi, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, uh, cauliflower, uh, I'm trying to name them all here. Uh, all of those like to be planted in the fall. And again, you could be planting those way back in mid-September, but uh, you want to go ahead and get them in now because it's going to cool off a whole lot and and you want to build a good a good robust plant can produce uh, a lot of the parts of the plant that we eat which is different on each of those plants uh, so you want to make sure that they have time to really grow and do well before it gets too cold on them uh, there are other other things that could be put out in the gardens but those are the primary ones some people uh, you know will gamble a little bit with chard and beets and things like that but we're uh, those are not freeze hardy and so we want to avoid that if you got multiplying onions that you want to plant this would be still a good time to go ahead and get uh, those in the ground um, Let's see what uh, up in the in the lawns. I mentioned uh, that we we want to uh, uh, deal with things like brown patch at this point in the season if it's been a perennial problem. Mentioned that earlier in the show. Uh, but as far as fertilizing, we are getting to the the end uh, of the fertilizing season. You could put some down, but uh, as I mentioned earlier. It's better to get the fertilizers in, let's say, early October and maybe mid-October. Uh, but it, if you haven't fertilized and your lawn hasn't been doing well, you might want to go ahead and do that right away uh, because root growth is, is uh, starting to go downhill at this point. Well, you've been listening to Garden Success. We're here every Thursday from 12 to 1. Tell your neighbors about it, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. You've been listening to Garden Success with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension horticulturist Skip Richter. Join us again next week as Skip discusses your questions about gardening and landscaping in the Brazos Valley. 
Garden Success is brought to you in part by the Arbor Gate, featuring unusual plants, artisan-created decorative pieces, and a constantly changing array of items that bring beauty, comfort, and even flavor to the home and garden. Arbor Gate, 15635 FM 2920, Tomball, Texas, 281-351-8851 or arborgate.com. Garden Success is also brought to you by The Farm Patch, 3519 South College Avenue in Bryan, 979-822-7209.